Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 41. Slightly different background here. Uh, I am home at my mum and dad's helping to lamb. Uh, so, yeah, away from the flat for a week or so um, and have another excellent podcast to film today. And I'm going to be at my depth somewhat because uh, our, our guest today, Emma, is a bit of a podcast expert. She's not a bit of, she is a podcast expert. But Emma, would you like to say hello? <clears throat> hello, Wallace. Thank you for having me on. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Before we get on in to another excellent episode of the R2Cast, I would just like to thank the sponsor for the show today, The Scottish Farmer. A weekly magazine highlighting everything you need to know regarding the Scottish agricultural industry. Whether it's breaking news, events happening in the sector, market reports, classified ads, or just wholesome stories happening in the industry, The Scottish Farmer's got it for you. We've been trying to arrange this for <laughs> God, six months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And I'm like, oh, I'll do it when I'm less busy. And then it's like something happens. And then, you know, I'm just not busy, not not busy. So, yeah, we've got an It's Yeah, we've, we've um, either I was busy, I was busy or something, but it's fine. We've got it now and uh, very much looking forward to it. You probably noticed when uh, Emma was speaking there, uh, she's got a road mic there. She had fancy headphones. She's got all the stuff. She she was was two or three minutes late because um, there was a sound check needed done, mm-hmm. uh, which I turned my iPad on and hope it works. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so that. Um, but enough of my inability to podcast. We are now on number forty-one and have done it the exact same for every single one. So I should probably look at updating it. We'll get there. We'll get there. There's a. <laughs> Well, some other people out there that can get us up to 100 and have got more time to do so. Um, but, Emma, could you tell us a bit about yourself, a bit of your background, because it's not from farming. So could you tell us where you started out? Yeah, sure. So um, I suppose going back to radio, really. So, yeah, I've, I've worked before I settled by myself 10 years ago as a podcast producer. I worked for a large independent production company um, based in the northwest of England. Um, and I had the opportunity to work with some huge names and work on all the BBC national network shows. Uh, I did a bit of TV as well. Definitely prefer audio though, uh, especially coming here today. You know, I had to put a bit of makeup on and wash my face. You don't have to do that on radio. <laughs> it's, it's fine. So, um, but no, it was great. But I felt like I wasn't going to grow in that business. Um, and I wasn't making that much money really because they know how competitive it is. It's a bit like farming, you know, in, in some areas it's so competitive. They know you're gonna stay in that role and they don't pay you anymore. So um, yeah, I decided to settle by myself. So on the side, I started editing podcasts for clients based in, in America and Canada. And I eventually built up enough of a client base where I could walk away from my, um, my, my BBC job, essentially. So I was doing that for 10 years. Um, I was really making a lot of momentum, really. Uh, the BBC actually were one of my clients in the end, um, which was fantastic. Got to work with some large corporates as well. Um, and I got to travel all over the world to talk about podcasting. Um, I um, One of the, the best memories I have is, is going to Las Vegas and talking at the um, Adobe Theatre um, about um, storytelling, audio storytelling um, for podcasts, because my passion is telling stories and documentary, I guess. So, um, but I remember being there and there was a guy who, he edited most of Star Wars, right? So he was huge and there were people like that. And they said to me, um, so what do you do? And I'm like, um, I made some podcasts and I'm from Manchester. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, so things have got pretty big and they were really picking up um, so much so that I could afford to buy um, a small holding in the northwest which I'd always wanted I've got a couple of horses always loved the countryside and all that so bought a small holding uh, only a couple of acres nothing huge um, so that was in 2019 in December then in March 2020, we all know what happened. Which we do cool. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, clients put work back, they cancelled work, everything went remote, so all the budgets were cut, or people just didn't want to do anything. They were all terrified. I mean, it was terrifying, wasn't it, those first few weeks? Um, so I thought, right, well, I've just got this massive mortgage on this small holding. 
what am I going to do to make money? So I was looking at my options and it was either go to Tesco or something like that, or a supermarket, or other smooth supermarkets out there, just with a BBC head on there. <laughs> um, so it's working well at a supermarket, yeah. <laughs> going to work at supermarket, or um, which I didn't want to be near people. We didn't really know what was going to happen at the time with that. Um, working remotely as an admin assistant, I'd done that like quite a few years ago, but so many people were after those jobs that had already been doing it. I thought, no chance. And then I was just sat there and I could see all the bills racking up and I could see I got all this tax to pay and I thought, come on, just give me a break. I was literally going, come on, give me a break. And I looked at my screen and on Facebook, on um, one of the farming publications, I think it was Farmers Weekly or Farmers UK, Farming UK, um, had an article saying how due to the Brexit, due to the pandemic, there was a shortage of um, foreign labour coming in for, in particular, the horticultural sector, but all across agriculture and they were looking for people really to do your, the modern day sort of land girl you know come on let's all get involved we're all kind of stuck here let's uh let's pick some food um so i thought well i like the outdoors um i spent time on um my best friend's farm when i was a kid in fact i spent a lot of time there so i'm from east yorkshire originally and it's very arable around there so she had a mixed uh, enterprise and my mum used to just drop me off there pretty much every day and be like off you go <laughs> and so I'd be there I think she's got like 2,000 acres or something on that holding so yeah she'd go around there so I'd always like like that side um so I thought oh I'll, yeah. it'll be fine um so I got there I think it was the 25th of March so the 23rd was obviously locked down had to be there for seven and it was in Preston um and that was an hour away from me because there was nowhere near me that really did horticulture and they were all beef or family farms i didn't really need anyone and i didn't really want to let anyone on the farms either at that time so i had to look quite far uh, quite quite far away for a job um and yeah i just got there they put me on a tractor never been on a tractor before <laughs> took me in this field which had kale in it and they said, right, we're going to harvest this. And I'm like, well, how do we do that? And they just handed me this machete and said, you cut it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and um, I don't know, I just fell in love with it because it was, uh, it was just, um, I think the physical aspect, being outside, and it's a bit monotonous after a while. And it gives you that time to really think. So over that time i got a lot fitter i made friends for a lot of other people as well that were in the same position there were a lot of um company directors that were on furlough there was um a dancer that had come back from york she'd been re-expatriated there were loads of people from different backgrounds that had all come to make a bit of extra cash and it was just a great experience and you know to be honest i didn't think i'd still be here now doing it but yeah that's 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 my story up to there really (laughs) I mean, the, the fact that, that you are still here is is, is probably why the story is so interesting. Um, just just you mentioned the Farmers Weekly, which where you saw the advert as a podcast that is sponsored by the Scottish Farmer. There is, like you said, other farming magazines out there. Well. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> Scottish Farmer, whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah, doing my job. You seen Miss Ken Fletcher? Perfect. Um, uh, that's, that's the guy the Scottish Farmer, by the way, if you want So... Edited, uh, one thing that I really honed in on there was uh, you met a guy that had edited all of Star Wars, well, the majority of Star Wars. Um, I've barely got the patience to watch all of Star Wars, to be honest. I've yeah. edited it. So you're really in with the, the stars, really, at that point. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. But was I guess I'm looking to go back a wee bit mm-hmm. even further over there. You, uh, you got into media in general. So it was, it was Radio 4 you were with, wasn't it, for the BBC? Um, and was was that something you wanted to do at school or did you fall into um, it? <clears throat> no, no, I guess like going further back. So um, I, like many people, had no idea what I wanted to do um, at school, really. Um, so, but I always loved music, um, but it was something that it was like, well, it's not really a career choice to do. So um, when it came to my A-levels, my teacher said I was good at not what's the word not arguing um having debating. A, yes debating I was good at arguing with people good at debating um and they said you know should try doing politics 
uh, studying that and law, you might like it, um, which I did. I quite enjoyed it. So um, I got an unconditional offer to study law at Aberystwyth University in Wales. Um, and I took a year out and I worked for Humberside Police um, in their tape library. So I listened to interview tapes, which was quite a cool job for a, an 18 year old to do. Um, but we also shared the um, uh, the the room with evidence and also we had to do edits of child protection tapes and at the time so the audio tapes they were you could you'd listen to the beginning and then the end and then just sort of press a button and it would just copy it all and you could be quite nosy you know and like listen through to a little bit more and this kind of thing <laughs> um if Humberside police are watching this I'm very sorry do not lock me up um but yeah um <laughs> um yeah so you know it's got quite interesting but the child protection ones you had to watch them in real time and that was quite tough um and also you had to see some of these people eye to eye that had been accused of whatever it was and um I decided that I wanted to work in criminal law and I was like, after the year, I was like, I, I don't want to do this. This is not what I want to do. So just before I, uh, I think it's like July, August time, I wrote to Aberystwyth University, didn't tell my parents that I'd done that and said, um, thank you, but no, thank you. I'm not going to be coming. Uh, and I got an audition at Hull College because it was the nearest place to do um, music. And I got in. And uh, they put me on their foundation course for two years and said, if you really pull your socks up, you can do the third year degree. So I did that. And after that, you know, doing that, my parents supported it a bit more because they could see I was a bit more serious. But then obviously <laughs> after that, there aren't really any jobs in music. And that's the truth. Um, I was in a band, but obviously that didn't really pay very well. So I worked in retail for many, many years uh, for that, sort of after that. Um, so I went up to management level, uh, I, well, I worked for pets at home as a manager for a while. And then I went to Harvey Nichols, which was quite a bit of a change. Um, so that was quite fun. Um, and then I went, that was Harvey Nichols in Leeds. And then I went and moved back to Hull, um, and reformed my band with my, my friends. And it just so happened that I went and on the radio with my band on BBC Radio Humberside and I was like do you know what this is it's quite I could do this this is cool so um I spoke to the, uh, the producer and at the time it was quite easy to get sort of internships and stuff like that without having to go through all these sort of bits of paperwork and stuff you have to do now so she had me on um helping out a while um and then I started doing hospital radio so again I just got a, a boring office job and I did my show on a Wednesday morning um, and I thought, right, well, I need to study this now. So um, I saved up all my money um, and went back to uni to Bournemouth University to do an MA in radio production, um, which was fantastic. And anyone that's watching this that's maybe doesn't want to do farming, but wants to go into media, it's a fantastic university. And we got you know a lot of practical skills out of it. And one of the things was um, Radio 4 came, one of the actual commissioning editors from Radio 4 came. And ahead of um, coming, we had to send an idea. And for those of you that don't know about independent radio, if you're an independent production company, um, there we go. Um, you, well, you can't just like, like you couldn't just pick up the phone and go, I've got an idea for a documentary, give me 20 yes. grand. Yeah. kind of thing so it's got to be through in a pre-production company um, and they have so many rounds a year where you go and pitch for certain things and she was in charge of, of one of these certain documentary rounds um so we had to write it exactly like it was real life and she turned up and obviously where all these little students here and she's like right up here and she was so horrible to some people i mean she told them like a new bumhole like she wow. was <laughs> Yeah, she was really, really harsh. Like one of my friends was pretty much in tears. And I thought, please don't like when you get to mine, don't be horrible. And um, basically, I'm really into mod culture and, um, and mod music because my dad brought me up on that. He was really into the mod, mod era. Um, and the band The Who, um, there's an interesting story about um, Keith Moon had collapsed at the drum kit because he'd had too many drugs okay. and booze as he used to do and basically a kid 
got out of the crowd and filled in for him at this massive show. And I thought, wouldn't that be a great documentary to find this guy and interview him? So that was the idea. So she, and it was called Who's Drummer was my idea. And she said, um, who's drummer? Whose idea is that? And I'm like, me? <laughs> and she said, she said um, well, I had to look this up on our system. It's called Proteus. Proteus, our system, because I can't believe we have not commissioned this yet. And I'm like, no way. So to someone just leaving uni, I'd got a 20 grand idea that I could go to every production company with. So basically that's how I got my job. I got this idea and it didn't get commissioned the first time. It took two rounds, but it did get commissioned in the end. So, yeah. That sounds so intense. I mean, if yeah. someone asked me a question in an interview, I cry, you know, never mind. Proper like tearing people like you would, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the 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 child protection side must have been quite yeah uh, harrowing I guess but the the, mm. the 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 general police tapes I mean you're basically just living all of our lockdown Netflix life really or yeah. <laughs> whether it's Ted Bundy or whatever we'd listen to it all um, yeah. could, could you tell us a bit about the band I mean see all the the stuff yeah. you were saying about music and Keith yeah. Moon I, I don't know what any of this means <laughs> really. all right okay oh, right so. Yeah. So you know who you know Keith you know who Keith Moon is, though, right? I do not. Um, wow. Right. Yes. Yeah, Should I? I? Is that I'm bad? showing my oh. age, I guess, now, really. But yeah. So do, do you know the Rolling Stones? <laughs> so this is the thing. I have heard of them, and that is it. I couldn't tell you one. Right. So yeah, you need some education. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're a yeah they're a huge they were a huge rock band of the time. Were the who? Um, like in the 60s and 70s um, and I actually got to meet two of them through my job and um, which was amazing but yeah um, but my band so my first band um, was called JSMG which stood for which was Jesus Stole My Girlfriend was the name of the band um, because our drummer was a lesbian and her girlfriend was a Mormon and so she used to say that Jesus had literally stolen her girlfriend so that, was, <laughs> so that was where that came from. But they were just all <laughs> my mates from Hull, you know, like knocking about. We used to have a right laugh. And then um, I was a bit more serious into it. Um, and I answered an advert uh, to a guy in Manchester called David Fatala. And we set up a band called Fatala. Um, so I think it, it means say something in Samoan because he was Samoan uh, New Zealand. Um, and so I played synthesizer. So I, there I am with my grade eight classical piano reduced to playing a synthesizer in a band. <laughs> but no, it was it was great. And we got to go on tour. We went on two tours. We got played on Radio One. We did a few sessions on BBC, stuff like that. So it was it was good, but it was never going to pay the bills. And it it's yeah, it's great doing the shows, but all the build up to it and all the um doing all the, the the rehearsals and lugging all your gear everywhere and it's it's yeah, it's definitely a young man's game, big time. And it's, you know, it's sad to hear that though. I mean, you were on Radio One. It's I think the, oh, it's the second biggest radio station in the country. Radio Two is the biggest. Isn't Radio Two is the biggest, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's certainly the one I always listen to. It's it's a pretty notable station. You're on there, and and that still can't pay the bills. I mean, the whole artist work movement is is required. You know, it's a it's sad that it's that's in that place. And you you said to me, oh, I'm probably too young to know this. Honestly, I'm just very uneducated on the music side of things. If it's, <laughs> if it's not completely electrical, I don't want to listen to it. Uh, it's pretty okay. much okay. Yeah, uh, pretty much how, how <laughs> my music <laughs> does go. I kind of wish I had a surname like Fatala. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, my surname is basically a spicy food. Like, there's not really much to it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the you you started a company in. Uh, 10 years ago did you say Emma 10 years ago yeah I forgot Art of Podcast no, Art um... of Podcast yeah yeah and initially it was called <laughs> We Produce um, because I really didn't know what I'd be producing so I thought I don't want to I'd keep it open ended but like I say that was I'd literally work all day and then go home and do that as a side gig and then built it up and um, yeah they were very very surprised when I handed my notice in at work and um, <laughs> my boss took me to one side and he's like has anyone pissed you off I went yeah, you have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, it was. I was very glad to be away from there. And again, it's that whole you're talking about being on BBC Radio One, and that must be great. But it, it's almost like you see it, and then the reality of it, it's actually not that 
all it is. Oh, really? You know, it's not all that. You know, the the side with working in a, a big production company or whatever, you're expected to work 15, 16, 17 hours a day if you're on location, then be drinking with everyone, you know, and smoothing yeah. everyone, and, and then you're up again. And it's just, yeah, it's just knackering. Um, I don't know if you saw the documentary about Jeremy, um, oh, what's his name? Jeremy Kyle, Jeremy Kyle, Dana said Jeremy Clarkson, Jeremy, Jeremy Kyle, um, all the production team were talking about that. And it really resonates with me that that's the kind of lifestyle it was. And, uh, yeah, it's, I've got to say, I prefer farming over a career Good. in media. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we've, we've stole you from the media industry. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't see that Jeremy. I watched nothing ever, uh, let's be honest, but, uh, that Jeremy Kyle in general, I always felt was built on a pretty negative premise. You know, it was kind of, mm. but you, know, you said about Radio One not being all it's cracked up to be. Please don't ruin Clara Ample for me. She's the best person ever. Um, <laughs> <hope>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're in podcasting. The reason I sort of put the 10 years ago thing in there is, mm. and maybe this is just me podcasting to me doesn't feel like it was a thing 10 years ago. It wasn't a word we used often. Were you quite ahead of the game or am I just very behind uh, no I was really ahead of the game and that is why because it was a thing in America 10 years ago and so that's why all my clients were Canadian and American because they were the only ones that really did it trying to sell it to anyone in the UK they were like oh that's just like a little bit of online radio isn't it and there was no real sort of um, yeah uptake with it so yeah I think my first UK client wasn't until probably five years ago. Actually. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, any farming podcasting clients? No farming podcasting clients, but I did speak on a, a panel with the guy who presents the Farmers Weekly, or maybe not presents, produces the Farmers Weekly podcast. So there we go. Hugh, Hugh, Hugh Broom and uh, Johan Tucker are the presenters. Yeah. But was it uh, someone behind the yeah, scenes? Ru <clears throat> Russell is called, that's the name, Russell. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the only time I'd seen podcasts before they be they came on Spotify and stuff like that was on uh, GarageBand. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, the I, setting on GarageBand <laughs> podcast. That's right. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's probably the only time I'd ever seen the word before then. I don't think it really appeared. But this is a food and farming podcast, and I've been so yeah. excited talking about the media because I know literally nothing about it. Um, <laughs> I know, sorry, everyone, if you've tuned in to listen about farming, you know, it's a media podcast now. <laughs> Not at all. It's the, it's the people in food and farming. That's what yeah. it's about. So it's, it's their story. Uh, but you mentioned you got into farming. COVID was a... What would we say? Well, I say COVID was as if we're still not in it. We're still, still in it at the yeah, minute. It was a it, dreadful yeah. time. And and that first couple of weeks you talked about was strange. Uh, uh, you know, London was empty. That takes mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, no one really knew what to do. So you found a new job uh, and it was with a machete, which you probably didn't expect. Um, met a lot of different people. How long were you there for, though, Emma? Well, I'm still there now. <clears throat> Perfect. Um, but um, the so the home farm is in Preston, which is where I started at originally. Um, but they grow the majority of their produce in Wales. So where I was, so I my small holding is in Saddleworth. So geographically, I was a narrow way from the site in Wales and a narrow way from the site um, in Preston. Preston's more uh, greenhouse work. It's more packing and stuff like that. And it turned out that actually. I'm a terrible packer. I'm so slow. Like I'm embarrassingly slow. Um, so I think they were keen to get me out of the back house, to be honest. You don't, um, you don't shop in Aldi then? <laughs> uh, oh, no, no. But I, I'm really fast at Aldi because of oh, this see. job. Yeah, I've got to say, like I, I was saying this only the other day. I'm there at the checkouts, even putting them on. And they were like two things at once. And then this guy was like, whoa, 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 <laughs> calm down. <laughs> you trying to get a job here, I think he said. <laughs> but because you're so used to the fast phase of it, because it is fast. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so I, um, yeah, the pack, the pack house wasn't for me. Because, you know, I remember Paul saying to me on the phone when um, I had my interview. So basi I basically went around all the farms uh, or looked on the uh, websites and 
emailed everyone or rung everyone because obviously couldn't I didn't want to go on site because I was worried about them whether they want me there or whatever because but as you know with farming it is all about the eyeball to eyeball isn't it yeah 100% um but anyway I'd emailed this farm and Paul rung me and um he said to me oh you know it all sounds very good Emma um but come down and have a go because it's a practical job but he said there's always there's so many different things on the farm there's always something you'll be strongest at you know that you'll want to focus on so they tend to obviously put people in the the strongest areas because well obviously it helps out (laughs) doesn't it (laughs) more than anything but also it it encourages people you know if they're, they're doing something they enjoy so i really enjoyed the harvesting actually being outside with the machete um, and um, I think I'd only been there a week and Paul put me on the tractor and we were in the field just near like the, the main farm. And um, he said, right, this is forward. This is how you go back, jumped off it. And he went, I'm really busy. I've got to go. So just don't crash it. See you later. Bye. I was like, what? <laughs> I think he said, actually, make sure you don't do a three point turn like Austin Powers, otherwise you'll get stuck. So, um, so, so yeah, um, I'd never driven a tractor before. In fact, just being in an automatic vehicle um, terrified me. So, um, yeah, but now I'm one of their main tractor drivers and I absolutely love it. So in Wales, it's cutting, harvesting, leading the teams, helping to coordinate and driving the tractor whether that's land work or loading so it just suited me so much better so um yeah and then i moved to wales a month ago so so and we'll get into that um yeah. how how much of the if that's not the right word mm-hmm. no is how much of the year are you on a tractor then how much a year am I on <clears throat> yeah a like is it three quarters of the year or i mean i'm in a tractor every day Okay, so uh, you, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I would say. So how we harvest is that we have a tractor on crawl, and we have you know the potato boxes, and people yep. will cut in front and throw in, and then I drive the tractor and move it around and load, um, and that kind of thing. So yeah, I guess every day I'm in work, I'm in a tractor. So yeah, no, I, 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 it maybe yeah. sound like a stupid question, but I didn't know if it was <laughs> like just you know, and and how this is. I'm going to embarrass myself here because. Um, oh. Food-wise, I'm okay, but uh, veg, I'm not great at. I, I eat vegetables. It sounds like I'm trying to tell my mum that I've eaten everything. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know much about the production side of it. It's right, it's interesting. Oh, yes. but how how does the drilling work? Is it just uh, is it still that's not going to be uh, man done now? That's going to be synthetic, surely. Uh, is it, right. you're, okay. you're using a drill? You are using an actual drill. We don't drill. use a drill, no. We don't use a drill. Ah, okay. No, no. So um, we have a, well, we now have an automatic planter, it's called. Um, so the process, I guess, really starts at back in Preston. So we um, have a seeder, so it goes through a machine ah. and it seeds it. And then we raise our own plants. We've got, I think, three acres of greenhouses. I think it is that we've got so not only do we raise for clients we also raise all of our own stuff so we harvest about 200 acres of cabbage and kale a year so we raise enough for that um, and then once it's right uh, ready to go um we put it we we take it to um wales and then we plant it so before we'd have this planter where you'd have uh, a number of people sat on the back and it's a, a disc that goes around and they pop the plants in and then it plants them into the ground. But oh man, it would take so long, just like with a couple of people or whatever on the back. Uh, so now this automatic planter uh, is only Paul and me or me and another person. So you've got driver and someone else. And it's essentially how many? 16 sets of hands going like this, like really fast planting right. it uh, down. So we can get, I mean, it's double, double the amount of, of plants in the ground a day so it's, it's it's really good so i'm glad so that's you get by that question no um, it's okay no you know, everyone says that and the most embarrassing <laughs> question i've actually had uh, is the other day so um due to my move in wales i decided to see if there were any dairy farms looking for relief milk because i quite enjoy that and there was a guy with a um rotary um was looking for someone down the road and he asked me <laughs> So how do you harvest your cabbages? Do you use scissors? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, but his little nail scissors. Every single one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh dear. Um, I, I just quickly feel like for, I should probably explain to everyone that's watching on YouTube, you might notice I'm in a bit of a pink room now. It, it is getting darker and we have a, a, a sort of um, UV light growing chilies and the light isn't working in here. So I, I don't know why it suddenly went so pink, but that, that is the reason for that. Um, those you listen. It's quite uh, ambient, isn't it? Yeah, no, it, it suits yeah. me. Uh, <laughs> not at all. Um, how how much, what weight of cabbages do you get per acre? Oh, now do you know you're asking me like? Is that? Oh, uh, well, maybe it doesn't really, work. Maybe you don't do it that no, way. No, <laughs> it's it's kind of like it. It really depends on the variety. So we've got a couple of varieties at the moment. There, one's a much lighter cabbage, and the other. Uh, it depends on the size. So I, I guess it's like yield, really. Um, so, for example, in the winter, so we harvest all year round. So we, if it's snowing or icy. We're That's still why there. I was confused about the tractor question. I apologise. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And it's fun when it gets stuck in the mud. I can tell you. <laughs> in winter. Um, yeah. So. They're, they're much smaller because they, they kind of go to sleep essentially don't they so they're much smaller so you can be going right the way up the field and only fill in a couple of bins but in the summer you barely step in a few feet and then you fill the bins yep. so it really depends on what time of year and the size of cabbage i would say really i would never have expected that answer i, I just look like oh. such an idiot now, don't, now the no. person that asked about the scissors probably wasn't an agricultural lecturer so that's why i'm embarrassing myself that, um, but well. the, but with the with the kale though and i'm sure and i'm sure my boss will probably correct me but i'm sure it's something like a thousand pounds an acre you can get a, a, a grand or two an acre like it's really right. really good yeah the kale and yeah. how and you're how we put this yeah you're harvesting all year round but how often can one patch of ground be harvested Yes, I've said that correctly. Right, okay. I'm doing the maths here. So it's, a, it's you know, like potatoes is one in four, I think? I believe so. Yeah, I think it's one in four on the rotation. I think we can get away with twice on the same patch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that is, is the biggest problem there club root or avoiding club root or not? Um, the biggest problem for us is pigeons. Actually. Oh really? Yeah, pigeons yeah, are yeah. A, a big problem. Um, so yeah, we especially this time of year when they haven't got a lot of food. Yeah, they can decimate. Like, and I'm not even joking. They can decimate <clears throat> a fifty acre field. Like every single one gone. Um, which is just, and you can't really justify netting fifty acres. You know, it's a lot of money. So, it would be a nightmare. That would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. bad. En it's bad enough. So now we're just planting our new season, and it'll go under fleece. And oh, I, do you know, I, <laughs> I hate that job so much. I try and get out of it. I try and do the planting while other people are digging the bags of soil to put on and put the yeah. whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, that has to go under fleece, and that's bad enough. And that's only like I don't know, a couple of acres. It's not much. Um, but then we've got the problem of kids will come on the fields like some people have had it set on fire oh jeez it's just hideous so um so as much as you can try and keep away from that the better so yeah there's um that's a problem um it's like a, a black spot fungus as well that's sometimes um it, i think we had a crop um not so long ago and it's like it had come over from something else um, right. like fodder beet or something like that or or, that, or some kind of you know root vegetable yeah. um some kind of disease so i guess disease like that is is an issue um but yeah no pigeons is is a big one and um, we're, we're filming this at the end of march it's not out until may time let's hope i don't think it will be but let's hope fertilizers a bit <laughs> yeah. cheaper than it is now are, are you just putting a lot of fertilizers and pesticides on your crops well, actually, what we do is we strip till, so um, we don't apply all that much fertilizer. So that's actually, I mean, obviously, it's hitting everyone, but we don't put loads and loads on. It's not like, say, potatoes yeah. where you need tons of it. 
um, we try and be as precise as possible and strip till instead. Brilliant. Very good. I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Um, the reason I uh, originally heard about you was, first off, the best name on Instagram. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, could you tell us a bit about your name? I won't ruin it. Uh, and yeah. why that came about. I mean, it makes sense for obvious reasons, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, uh, so it's Princess Cabbage. And um, it, it's a number of reasons, really. Um, first of all, it's because I was going around with my machete going off with their heads like one day and taking the mickey um <laughs> but then i kept dropping cabbages one day and paul kept going all right princess like i was like pick that up like taking the mickey out of him so yeah they think i'm a bit of a princess at work so they call me princess cabbage so. <laughs> honestly the best and if you want to follow uh, a story <laughs> just follow on instagram uh, there's a lot of stories about well you've just moved to wales and it looked like I think we were supposed to do a podcast and there was an issue with a shed in that storm a few weeks ago. Oh, uh, is man. everything fixed or is it still just a bit of an issue? It's still probably another week to go because um, we're trying to build it when we're off kind of on a Saturday, Sunday yes. or well, a Sunday really. Um, but I mean, we didn't think it was going to happen. It, I'd, I'd, I'd basically spent four grand on this stable and a week later it was in a tree. That was nuts. <laughs> I, I just remember, um, so there'd been that storm a few days before Eunice, I can't remember the name of it because there's so many, um, and I'd been told this one was going to be worse, and I'd gone home and I'd seen it had moved just a little bit like that back, and so I'm there with ratchet straps trying to ratchet it after a day of cutting cabbage to a big tree, and Paul rung me and he said, are you all right? And I was like, it's going to go, my stable's going to go, so he came down and he helped and he he battened it down I mean fully battened it down with this steel and we were like right now it's gonna be it's gonna be okay so um I went out that day in the wind it was awful um because I'm right on the coast of North Wales so I was up kind of by Rill and um I was driving past these solar panels and a big solar farm and they were like this and I'm thinking please don't come off into my car um so then I went to the supermarket and then I got a phone call from my neighbor and she said um now I would want someone to tell me before I came home what's happened so that's why oh, I'm no. really you. she said I'm really sorry mate your stable's in the in a tree <laughs> oh it was it was just it was just so bad because we were supposed to move the horses over like the week after yeah so they're still in greater Manchester costing me a fortune to having someone look after them but yeah um I've learned an awful lot about how to build sheds now it might it might be costing your fortune, but at least they weren't in that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. dear. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's never good when someone starts it with I would have I would want someone to tell me, you know, like, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, either tell me right now or never say it again. Uh, yeah. It well I I spent quite a bit of time in Langochlan. Are you quite near there? Oh yeah, yeah, not far from yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like a bit sort of across and up a bit. So I'm in yeah. a, a place called Clan Sanan. Well, I'm between Clan Fatih and Clan Sanan. Um, I have heard the first one. <laughs> Clan Sanan, yeah, the, yeah. Um, it's about 15 minutes from Gabagelli. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and then, uh, sorry. Oh, sorry. no, I was just going to say, it's, it's a lot, there's a lot of farms around here and I'm actually yeah. on a farming <clears throat> estate, which is really nice. I'm kind of amongst it, so it's lovely. No, it's, it's a really nice area, really nice area. Yeah. Um, and uh, you, well, I tell you what, we've just been saying Welsh words that um, are hard to say. I can say this one because my ex went uh, to uni here as well. Uh, but you went to Aberystwyth, you originally had a place and then you ended up going uh, for, is it bio innovation? Yeah, it? yeah. So I'm back at Aberystwyth. Yes, uh, it's full circle. Could you yeah, tell us a bit yeah. about that? Yeah, so... Um, Obviously, uh, I guess I have quite a few goals now. So I've been doing this farming game for two years, uh, just working in the horticultural side. Um, but I guess from all my other business 
angles, media, tech angles, because I work with a lot of tech companies as well, um, doing the podcasting and stuff. I've learned an awful lot from that side. Mm-hmm. And working the veg side as well, you learn a heck of a lot about efficiency and uh, precision. And so I'm really interested in precision technology and precision farming. And, you know, I guess my goal is that I would love to have my own, like whether it's a share farming agreement or FBT, um, doing some horticulture, but I'm really keen to do something like calf rearing um, in a system, maybe something like contract calf rearing. Um, But I just know the devil's in the detail, the devil's in the data um, with something like that. And so, like I say, I've I've been really keen to learn. Um, So bio-innovation, it's MSC bio-innovation, Aberystwyth University, is for people that either live or work in Wales. And up until us fully coming out of the EU, um, the modules are free, which is incredible. Like working towards a master's degree and it's free. So my last module I did was free, which I still can't believe. Uh, I think it's the last one though. I'm going to have to pay for the others. Um, But it was absolutely fascinating. And I can honestly say I don't, I didn't know much about livestock farming. And then suddenly I'm doing like lamb weight reports and trying to find (laughs) out like what's wrong with the lambs and all of this kind of stuff. but being shown different things, you know, like how grazing's managed now, like different forms of mob grazing using technology, um, trying to diagnose what's wrong with cows, for example, before it gets too bad, sending consistent cattle to market as well, consistent body yes. condition scores using technology, all that kind of stuff. I just, yeah, totally my bag. Absolutely love it. So. Is- just just on the body condition one there, is that looking mm. at video image analysis or is that? Yeah, what's, yeah. yeah, it's using thermal imaging. And the way that they uh, these companies were looking at it were having it on um, a water trough. So it's non-invasive. So you could be measuring that like two, three, four times a day, whatever, however oh. many times they're going to the water. So, you know, I think that's really good. To be honest. Oh, that, uh, anti-mortem... Uh, image analysis confuses the hell out of me i'm like how did he do that it's so cool but yeah. the, the food truck thing makes a lot of sense actually yeah um, because the, the thought in my head was always how do you know everything's going to pass there you don't but you definitely do with a with a with a water truck yeah ah, yeah. i've yeah. learned something new today i've learned a yeah. lot of things well there you go there you go and um, um funnily enough when i was at the british farming awards I was sat next to Terry Canning, who's the CEO of Cattleye, um, and they they won gold actually for innovation, yeah. which was amazing. I, you know, and I'd never heard of them, and I didn't realise how great they were and stuff. And so I was speaking to him about it, and I was telling him all what I'd studied. But he was like, oh, "But it was like, you know, his that technology is fantastic. You know, looking at lame cows, and it's the same sort of thing. They've got to pass there." every yeah. you know every time they're going to milking they've got to pass there um so i just think there's so much that can be done and um yeah i, I was at a, a farming connect which is um again it's a an initiative for the farming community in wales um again it's funded by the european union but i think they'll be doing something once that's finished so yes. it's for new entrants people working in agriculture um, and farmers that farming already um to to get funding to go on training courses or whatever so i was very lucky and went on the boot camp it was a, a two-day residential boot camp like all paid for free you know fantastic people coming to speak um and again i was getting to learn about people's gripes and yes. different pieces of technology and um but their kind of argument was it's too much data too much technology like you know but then there were others were saying it's so important that you get a grip of your body condition score because that could mean the difference between you surviving and thrive you know and thriving Mm -hmm. so i was a little bit like i argue there isn't too much data you just need to know how to analyze it and and maybe even more importantly instead of surviving or thriving surviving or not surviving um yeah yeah exactly (laughs) exactly yeah because I didn't know that if you send a cow that's too fat uh, away, you get fined or something, do you? Or that's, that's is, is there a fine? I think it's more it just won't be as much per kilo because of it. I, I don't know if it's a strict fine. I, I certainly right. not in Scotland. Um, right. 
I couldn't comment on Wales in fairness, but uh, yeah, I, I think efficiency and especially going into a post-Brexit world, whatever that means, mm. is is worrying. I mean, we, we're going to have some kind of subsidy until I think at the minute it's 2028. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's half and half and half and every time, but mm. yeah, I don't know. And and I, I agree with you on that there can't be too much data. Now, mm. handling and gathering that data, maybe you, you use an external to do that. Um, mm. but yeah. I don't think there can ever be too much data no. uh, the, I guess the only the only thing in my head there is the sort of argument against the freedom of being able to express natural behaviour, is there any naturalness to a completely data driven animal, I don't know um, yeah. Well, there is that argument that there's that, that traditional farmer animal relationship would potentially diminish but I don't know, I mean I think the, ha- the animal's going to be happier if you can see if it's mm-hmm. going to, if it's like to be sick or whatever I, I don't know so there's yeah yeah no I, there's 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 arguments to both sides but i think data's mm. got to find its way in now the, the difference now between for example the 60s was you're working with more animals it's, it's hard for you to associate with every single animal as in anything more than a number you know yes there's a connection of course there is but yeah there's just got to be data there precision ag is really interesting um yeah and and is what is there any precision ag being implemented at the cabbage side of things cabbage and kale side of things yeah i mean so the veg people and i suppose i suppose the arable people kind of go like to the livestock people we've been doing this for years mate because <laughs> <laughs> you know i guess they haven't had the same subsidies and stuff like that so they've had to mm. learn to be efficient and precise and you know the way we are it's i know it sounds so stupid and so basic but um, when we put our bins out in front of all the cabbage, you know, every step that person's taking in between the bins is wasting us time. It's costing us money. Yeah. And it's those little minute details that mean we are more efficient. Um, but yeah, in terms of precision, I guess we've obviously got the GPS and strip tilling and, and applying um, stuff precisely. Yeah. Um, we've also automated a lot of the packing line as well. So again, that can be measured. Um, so I think it's probably easier on the veg side to measure and arable than livestock, I would say. It is, yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. what is it they say? Never work with children or animals. Like, it is, there is that. Or tractors. Never work with tractors. <laughs> <laughs> I, I back you up on that one. I've embarrassed myself too many times. Um, yeah, no, I, I, precision ag in general is huge. I mean, the, the, I think the, the animal side that I had any connection to i guess i wouldn't say we run any precision ag at home um was rumen monitoring boluses you know looking at temperature and ph changes in the rumen to look at disease and 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 uh, and estrus that sort of thing you know but um it's mad what can be done you know it's not just a sheep anymore or a cabbage anymore it's everything um you mentioned the farming awards uh first off massive congratulations uh how did that come about was by any chance was there a guy they are called Will Rubottom. Yeah, I, I yeah. spoke to him actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I follow him on Instagram. Yeah, no, Will's Will's a good guy. Um, quite, quite. I've never met him, but got quite good mates with him through this whole online stuff. But uh, yeah, the 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 Farming Awards. Did someone nominate you? Is that how it works? No. So I I told them at the farm about this award, and I was like, right. Do you think you're going to nominate me? They were like, yeah, 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 yeah. But actually, it's a really convoluted way. You've got to write essays and essays. They ask loads of questions, and it takes quite a lot of time. It's not like I nominate Emma and then an email address or whatever. Like a lot of the other awards, it's literally a full application, and then they choose someone, and then you're interviewed in front of um, a panel of experts. So um, it's yeah, which is great because it's not like oh, how many likes have I got? It is literally they decide. But it's quite a barrier for someone who's a really busy flipping farmer to do the entry. So I think it got to the day before deadline and I was like, oh, stuff it, I'm just going to do it. Like, I was like, thanks for the nomination, guys. I'll just do it myself then. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so no, I ended up nominating myself, which is, yeah, but anyway. But they were behind me. They were backing me up and they, they were like, you know, they really wanted me to win, so. And yeah. what was the what was the night like? 
Oh, it was, uh, was it, well, it's very surreal for me because I've worked with Vernon Kay and I've worked with Jeremy Clarkson. Of course. So um, it was like being at a works do in media, but it was all farmers there. So um, yeah, no, it was great. Um, but when <laughs> when I saw my table number, I was like right at the back and I've worked at award ceremonies. Now I'm going, right, well, I've clearly lost because I'm not going to put someone right at the back, are they? And like, so Terry Canning was sat next to me from Catlai, like I said, and um, Paul's going, shut up, like, stop being so negative. Like in front of Terry or whatever, like, we've lost, mate, we've lost, just let's forget it. Let's never... <laughs> and uh, then he was before me, gold goes to Terry Canning. And I was like, and Paul went, well, that bang goes your theory. There. <laughs> so I just didn't know what was going to happen when it got to my category. Um, and it was so... I couldn't believe it. I, I actually couldn't believe it when Vernon Kay read my name out. Yeah. I just, because I feel like, I still feel like a fake now on a phony because I've only been doing it two years. And I actually got messages from people going, I had to wait 25 years to get my award and all this, you know, and <laughs> you've only been doing it two years. But um, it just really solidified like all that hard work and all that pain because it was, it was painful yeah. in, during COVID. It, it really made it all worthwhile. Um, and I'd also, do you know the Chief Shepherdess on? Hey, Zoe Colville. Yeah, and yeah. there was uh, Shepherdevs and Rainbow yeah. Farmer there. So I all know, knew them. So we got to meet up there, which was really nice. Um, I didn't go up to Jeremy, actually, because he was being mobbed by people. And obviously, we're taught not to approach celebrities anyway in the BBC. Yeah fan girly so i didn't i didn't i didn't approach him but um it was just oh and i was just on an absolute high for days i just kept looking at the award going well yeah no yeah but you're, you're you're saying like um you feel like a phony i mean it's, it's not it's the award isn't for who has worked in farming the longest you know that's no, not no, no. So don't, no, that's don't put yourself down on that um <laughs> i think it's great and you know there's always another great example of uh like yourself someone that's came not from farming at all. I mean, I think Zoe was a hairdresser from, from yeah, my understanding. Yeah, Zoe was a hairdresser, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and you know, that transition into farming, and I think that in itself is brilliant. I mean, it's it's not an easy industry to get into at all. No. We, we all know that, and and you, <laughs> for this podcast, are proof that, that it's absolutely doable, so very much well-deserved, I would say. Um, but yeah, it would have been quite the spectacle maybe maybe less so for yourself because you're used to people like jeremy clarkson but <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he's definitely a, a tried to get for the podcast um i had uh, one of one person off clarkson's farm before but uh yeah i think to get jeremy or caleb would be a hard one to get <laughs> yeah i imagine yeah. so yeah but, um... yeah it's all fun and games mate uh, yeah. anyway the, it's um yeah, it's been great, Emma. We've tried to do this for however months, uh, however many months. It's been great to finally actually sit down and have a chat and hear your story from from not farming into farming, which has been great. Um, do you have any things that I haven't picked up on that you would like to talk to before we have the the, the dreaded two questions at the end that I ask everyone? Oh, dreaded questions. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think I have really, other than. And just picking up from what you said about like, it's really hard to get into farming. And I guess like, I'm really thankful to Farrington's for giving me a chance because I had no background whatsoever. Um, and they could have just, I'm sure, taken someone on with experience and they took me on. So I'm really thankful for that. But then I get a lot of people that do get in touch with me that say like, um, have you got a degree in agriculture? And you know, how did you get into it? It doesn't look like you've got a background in it. And I, I would just say, you know, just as long as you're reliable and you turn up every day and you're willing to, to do any job and with a smile on your face and a can-do attitude, then you're just going to go really far, whether that's in beef or dairy or what I'm doing or whatever. And, and there are so many jobs out there. And I mean, I can't talk for all sectors, but in our sector, horticulture, because we don't, we know we're stuck with the labour at the moment, it's really well paid for what you do. And, uh, you know, I would, I would say to people to, to really try to think about it and, and just approach people and just go. Um, like I say, I, I've had people saying, well, I've tried and it's like, well, 
what did you do? Well, I sent one message to a dairy farmer. It didn't get back to me. You got to be a little bit more tenacious than that, but there are so many opportunities. So just get it's, out there. It's, it's interesting to ask if you've got a degree in agriculture. No, but you have a degree in just about everything else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how many times you went to uni. You, you know, you're, you're one of those people you get the podcast and I think you're the same age as me, but you've done like 98 things and I'm like, well, that's not possible. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, you, you've fitted it all in, which is insane. Uh, you, you've you just stolen one of my questions with what you just oh, said. Sorry. Uh, ruined sorry. it. You're, you're too used to this lifestyle. Fairness, <laughs> uh, one, one, of, one of my questions is if you had any tips for folk coming into the industry, what would it be? And you've basically just given them, given them one, but... Probably for for you and uh, and everyone else that's watching on YouTube, uh, as a podcaster, your tips to me is probably have a room that doesn't change light throughout. But uh, it's, it's it's what I had to work with. Um, <laughs> uh, but do you have any other tips for folk coming into farming other than the ones you just said? And the next question is, uh, where do you see yourself in five years? Okay, right. Um, any further tips? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just like not being afraid to just put yourself out there as well but it is still a very traditional industry you've got to go maybe to the farm or and see the farmer to get the job or whatever but like where i'm living now for an for example this was never advertised there's so many things that aren't advertised out there that are available and um yeah i would never have got this place if if i if i hadn't if, um, put a call out saying that i was looking for somewhere and i work in farming mm. or whatever so so yeah i think it's just being tenacious with it um but realizing that it's much needed to get into the industry um and not that i want to beat the drum too much about women in agriculture because you know there do it. please do that. but um when I when I first worked, started working at Farrington's, there was only me and one other girl, I think, started. And then because we were on there, other girls started and they stuck it out. And then when they put me on a tractor and saw me whirring around and doing all this stuff with knives, they were like, hang on, like, I want to do that. Like, and um, I've taught some of the girls how to drive tractors and stuff in the field. So sometimes we'll have two tractors and we've got to take them up the field. And so I'll put one in a tractor and then I literally reverse all the way up watching them <laughs> drive it um, just to make sure they're okay. But seeing the joy on their face because they just see it as a bloke thing, but then they're like, I can do this, this is amazing. I absolutely love that. And um, there isn't anything that women can't do. And my farm are very much, you are expected to work like a man. Um, yeah, I think- Or, or just work like yeah. a person is the way I see it. Well, you know? yeah, 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 no, work like a person, work like a really strong person. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> um, but there was a girl who was paired up with me on her first day and she got one of those Fitbits on and um, she'd walked 10 miles and burned nearly 5,000 calories. It is a very physically demanding job. It's like doing CrossFit for 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 hours a day. So, I need to do that. Uh, lockdown's not been good, <laughs> good to me. <laughs> it's required. Uh, um, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I think I think that's answered your question anyway. But yeah, yeah, just, absolutely. Just get into it. <clears throat> just do it. And uh, where where do you think you see yourself in five years' time? Um, where I would like to see myself in five years' time, I guess, is. I, I, initially, I really wanted a, a farm business tenancy, like I said, and I was shortlisted for one. Um, but unfortunately, they gave it to someone else. And I right. have to drive past that holding every day on the way to where I harvest in Anglesey at the moment. And they've got seven sheep in the field. That's it. So oh. it really upset me because <laughs> I had all these big grand ideas of what I was going to do. So I think it was a local they gave it to, to be honest. But anyway, I'm not bitter. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Um, but uh, I think because of what I've learned on the venture program on Farming Connect about going into a joint venture with someone, I feel because I don't necessarily have all of the practical farming experience, not the years and years of farming experience. I think my dream would be to go on board with someone who's been successful, that's wanting to let go. 
and for me to come on with some fresh ideas and help with the day-to-day running of something so um like my top dreams i suppose are working in grassland um creating hay and haylage products for the pet and acquire market so stripping stuff back to meadow doing it like the old-fashioned sort of pasture way um I've, well basically i've got a 27 year old horse that has survived that long i think because he's on a very good forage based diet yeah. so um it's something i'm really passionate about and i think it's you know basically people in the acquiring world will pay any money for it so <laughs> Um, that's an area that I'm really keen to look at. And I've started experimenting with barley fodder. I don't know if you know about that. I've heard about this. I don't know much mm. about it though. So you just basically grow barley hydroponically for seven days and it looks like fresh grass, but it's lower yeah. in sugar and it's got so many phytonutrients in it. It's just fab for say calves or cows, sheep, whatever, chickens, everything. <coughs> so I'm looking at ways to work with that. Um, potatoes i'd really like to get into i think it's only because my friend became a millionaire because they grew potatoes i remember as a child first time i ever saw an audi was uh oh. this amazing potato year for them um potatoes and um yeah like i said calf rearing contract calf rearing is something i'd really like to get into as well so there's many different avenues that i'm really keen to explore um but like i say i've got the the business side I just don't have the land, the buildings, yes. and necessarily the, the that um, agricultural expertise. So I almost feel like if I could just partner up with someone who's established in that area, that would be a dream for me, really. Yeah, yeah and and the passion's certainly there. So I've got no doubt that it, that will happen. There's there's going to be you're going to have lots of different princess names now. Um, Prince, <laughs> yeah. Princess Tati has a certain ring to it. <laughs> princess Tati is a great idea. I've already got Princess Forage as a as a okay. handle because we weren't quite sure whether I was going to talk about the hay or my cabbage stuff. So, but I still think princess cabbage is. <clears throat> Do you know what the, the, um, barley, uh, barley fodder that there's, oh, what's their name? There's a, my mum went to college with a couple, um, in Northern Ireland. I'm positive it's Alan Campbell's the guy's name. I've only met him once. Um, but they do that. And they've got like a, a circuit for horses to do jumping things. Not a horsey person. <laughs> think I'm making that clear. Uh, so that was the only time I'd heard of that. But it seems like a, a super crop. You know, it yeah, seems. Yeah, it's a super it food. Is. It is actually yeah. a super food. Is um, it? Yeah. So it's the same as, um, well, like, you know, wheatgrass that people put in smoothies mm-hmm. and stuff. It's exactly the same, but it's barley. So you can sell it to the human market as well um even cats you know that cat grass that's usually wheat or barley grass so it's a really big market but i'm yeah i would look to potentially make it into some kind of dried thing um i did speak to someone at a college i went to an open day uh, open farm day farm sunday open farm sunday that's it isn't it and it was a college in york and i was speaking to a guy and he just said you might come a cropper with the drying process with it. That's the only problem, but it sounds like a great idea. So we will see if I can come up with something. Hopefully no one will steal my idea that I've just said. That could be, that could be your bio-innovation. Uh, you can. Patent it now so no one can steal it. Uh, yeah. Mentioning the, 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 the hay to the equine market, Will, uh, that's what Will's home farm is based yes, on. Yeah, that's is. what they do. Going back about 10 minutes, probably even 15 minutes, you mentioned about showing uh, people reversing with the trailer. Yeah, reversing with the tractor, yeah. A little hint for you. Or was it just the tractor without the trailer? Yeah, so they would they would drive behind, well, sort of towards me, and I'm reversing back all the time, making right. sure that I can see them. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is, and it might be one you've heard, but it's one I heard a few years ago, and it's, it's right. the best way I've heard to say to someone, if you're reversing with a trailer, Whichever, whichever side, whichever mirror, geez, this is better than I've said it. Whichever, <laughs> whichever mirror you see your trailer come out on, pull down on that side. I've like, yeah, that works in my head. Well, I couldn't say it, but it works in my head. Um, and uh, that's the way I normally tell folk that. But 
listen, it's been uh, it's been great to chat. We've went down so many different ways today. It's been so exciting. Um, I've uh, I've been struggling to keep up. I now have a letter that is covered in loads of writing. Um, there's only way I can ever keep up with these things. But uh, look, if you want to follow, um, if you want to follow Emma, it's Princess Cabbage UK. I think it is on Instagram. That's UK the one. On yeah, believe it or um, not, someone else had Princess Cabbage already. Did they actually? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who. <laughs> I think you just have to collab. Uh, there's, there's, there's got to be a thing there. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for coming on. Um, I appreciate it. It's been great to chat and, and sort of finally finally get the recording done. I'm currently in a completely pink room. Um, but yes, thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. It's been an absolute pleasure, Wallace. Thank you very much. <laughs> But I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, it's it's been very good. Next week, you might have heard of this person. Uh, I'm not sure. Next week, we have arguably some people have said the world's most famous farmer. Now I don't know uh, how much truth there is to that, but when I said it to him, he disagreed. Uh, Joel Salatin. Uh, sort of the Salatins are almost like the fathers of regenerative agriculture out in the States. So another interesting podcast coming up then. And I can't actually say what's next because it's currently lambing time. And I've filmed two months ahead and I don't want to do any more. So um, I will uh, start getting back to filming in May time and update you who's coming. So I will see you in a week's time. And thank you very much, Emma. Thank you very much, Wallace. Well, that's it. Another R2 cast finished. Another agricultural mind opened up. And I would just like to say that getting these guests on board uh, does take time. Uh, and it always has done, but I've now went weekly, and with that comes even more time required. And I would just like to finally thank once more the Scottish Farmer for sponsoring the show and making that much more possible. Please be sure to get in touch if you've any ideas of people you'd like to see on the podcast, or maybe ideas you have for me presenting better, because I definitely do require that. See you in the next one.